This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan working the boards. Just looking for a little Kansas City. Here I come for our next guest since uh, he's been high on the Chiefs all year and they are ready to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the divisional round. They will host the Steelers at Arrowhead. And man, what a version of the song I found. That was Paul McCartney with Carl Perkins, Jimmy Buffett, and like an array of musicians. I don't even know. The list went on there. It's unreal. What a jam session that is. But uh, good stuff there to open the segment. And we welcome on our next guest. He is from Yahoo Sports in the shutdown corner. Friend of the program, Eric Edholm. Eric, how you doing? Yeah, I just hope we have a little better jam session this weekend in the NFL. We got, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the amplification was, was pulled out of our uh, guitars a little, little bit. So <laughs> I think we're going to be in store for some better football. I hear you, buddy. Uh, I do, too. I, I think we've got some great games in store. Uh, I, I cannot wait to watch. And let's start with this Chiefs-Steelers game. Um, the, the Chiefs, to me, at least around these neck of the woods are kind of like the Falcons of the uh, NFC, where they're kind of like the Rodney Dangerfields, and I don't think they get enough <laughs> respect. And, you know, you've been one to always support them, rightfully so, and, and, and they've backed it up. They've backed your support up on the field there, and they end up taking the AFC West title. Um, your thoughts on them, as they, how important was it to get that division title and to build that momentum as they headed into the playoffs and wrap up that second seed, and how much will that help them? against one of the hotter teams in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I think you phrased it the right way and just kind of framed the, 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 you know, the advantage very well because 
I'm not saying that they couldn't go on the road because they, you know, obviously if they, they, they probably will have to eventually, and it could be at New England, obviously, um, if they want to get to a Super Bowl. But yeah, I mean, you know, this team is, is easy to dismiss in some ways because you say, well, okay, good defense, special teams, but, you know, Alex Smith is their quarterback. I mean, come on. We, we know the limitations of an Alex Smith on offense, but if you start thinking about all the playmakers they have and, and, you know, it's both sides of the ball. You know, I mean, the secondary makes plays every single week, it seems. The pass rush will come up in key situations. They've been a little lacking lately. But, you know, Tyreek Hill, you, you, you know, your bumper uh, intro there had a, had a couple yep. of his long returns. He could play offense as well. He's been a huge threat. Travis Kelsey is a mismatch. So, yeah, that said, the advantage, I think, is huge at Arrowhead. I know they lost, uh, you know, curious game to the, to the Bucks and a few other moments this year where they look vulnerable but they're a good football team and maybe not as explosive as the Steelers but they can play D they can turn you over fast they play field position and um, I, I like the makeup of that team a lot I do too and you know people can point to a look at what the Steelers did to the Dolphins and everything but I look at the Dolphins as a team that you know what good on them they turned their season around they went on a nice run they got to the playoffs they're way behind in development right now. You know, they they still got a while to go before they're going to be a real contender. Um, but, you know, I think the Steelers obviously are a contender. But at the same time, and I don't know if you'll, you'll, you'll be on the same boat as me here, Eric, the, the Chiefs to me smell more like a playoff team to me. The Steelers are fun. They're sexy. They're, you know, they're explosive. They, and, they you know, they've got Big Ben. They've got the names. They've got Antonio Brown. They've got Bell. But the Chiefs just sort of are this gritty, down to the basics, let's go out there, get the job done, I don't care who does it, we're all in this together. That's why, I just think they're built better for the playoffs, and that's why I think they come out victorious in this. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, that's what I'm so curious to see. I mean, obviously Ben's ankle is something we're going to keep an eye on. It sounds like he's going to be fine for this Mm -hmm. game, but um, yeah, it's really going to be... Because yeah, the Chiefs gave up a lot of yards this year, and I don't think people quite realize that. It took me; I had to sort of double check the numbers on that. But they'll, they'll let you move the ball, and this—you know—you you've seen versions of this with the Patriots over the years yep. too, where you can drive on them. That's fine; they'll let you. They'll beat you up along the way. When you get into that red zone, that's where they really clamp down. They hold you to field goals. They create turnovers, things like that. You know, so that's—you know—that's the kind of brand of, of ball that they play, and, and you know, the Steelers. I mean, Ben will throw one up for grabs every now and then. You know, Bell takes the beating inside. Some of their other receivers have had problems with drops. I know Antonio Brown's one of the best in the business. He doesn't drop the ball very often. But, you know, they've been trying. I mean, if you try to spend all your energy taking Brown out of the passing game, they'll throw it up to Eli Rogers. And they'll send one to to DHB every now and then. And, And so they're not afraid to give those guys some opportunities, but those guys don't always reward them. Now, defensively, I will say this. Steelers have gotten a lot better. They have. It's been fun to watch yeah. on that side of the ball. They've been a lot better in the last, you know, in the second half of the season, really since mm-hmm. Thanksgiving against the Colts when they just, you know, kept them out of the end zone pretty much. Yeah, that's a good point there. Something to keep in mind for sure. Uh, let's switch over to the aforementioned Falcons there as they host the Seahawks. Uh, the C- Everyone's on the Seahawks, and rightfully so. I mean, they, they've proven they can do it before, and uh, they, they went in there. And, you know, I thought... Uh, if not for the drop balls and some calls, you might have seen a different game there. I still think the Seahawks probably win, but I just think we would have gotten a better game. But they did come out victorious. They'll go to Atlanta. 
Uh, Atlanta has to have that last meeting on their minds with the Seahawks. And I, I think, like I said, they got to feel like, you know, the disrespected team. Nobody's picking them to win, even though they're the home team and they're the second seed. Yeah, no question about it. And, and you know, all the talk nationally about the MVP race. You know, I mean, you guys have probably had that discussion with oh, yeah. and Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan. You know, the tea leaves are kind of telling us that Matt Ryan could win this thing just based on the all-pro voting and stuff. So if that's the case, we know the body of work Tom Brady fit into a 12-game schedule that very few players could even be in the discussion for MVP in, a, in three quarters of a season. We know what Aaron Rodgers has done the last seven, eight games, and he's already done it in incredible fashion last week in the, in the postseason. Now Ryan steps up, like you said, I mean, against a, a battle-tested, the last you know four or five years, they've they've gone on the road. They've won at home. They've been in two Super Bowls. Even without Earl Thomas, I still think this is a big, big test because of the pass rush, mm-hmm. Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, you name it, whatever. You know, Ryan's one and four in postseason games, and Russell Wilson is eight and three. I mean, I know it's a team game. I know quarterback wins is not a stat per se, but. You know, that's got to be weighing on his mind. The bye week, all the talk about the MVP stuff, this is his stage to get it done. So I'll be fascinated to see how they go after that Seahawks defense and how big a part the run game plays. Yeah, and we had a guest on yesterday, uh, John Serenades, and he made a good point about Seattle uh, that he really liked from last week is their running game emerging again. And we all know what they used to do uh, with the beasts. But, uh, you know, like you look at what Rawls did last week and and the way that enabled – them to have so many different looks there and sort of play some games with the opposing defense, that's going to be huge right now for Atlanta. And I, I don't know if Atlanta has uh, the front there to stop that running game. Do you? Yeah, I mean, th- this is not a dominant Falcons defense, but it's a faster defense than they had a year ago. They're starting to kind of understand what Dan Quinn wants to do on that side of the ball. You know, I, I, I really like the fact that some of their younger defenders have stepped up. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the linebacker. Uh, Deion I, Jones, yeah, the rookie, second yep. round pick. Uh, you know, um, Beasley, the, the first rounder two years ago, has stepped up and had a fantastic season. You know, I think sometimes there's a little bit of a learning curve, and you saw it in Seattle too. Some of the younger guys come in; they have to they're sort of, you know, the, the scheme isn't all that advanced. It's just the sort of understanding responsibilities and playing within the, the scheme and not trying to do too much. And Quinn obviously knows some of this personnel for Seattle. Yes. I I think he will key on two things, setting a hard edge, making sure Russell Wilson isn't rolling out, making those plays outside the pocket. And as you said, making sure that run game isn't gashing them. So if you have second and two with the Seahawks, they can run, they can throw short, they can go play action, go deep. They got to keep them in second and long and third and long to really be effective. And, and you're right, the, the front does worry me a little bit for the Falcons. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. I, I like what you're saying too about the whole MVP aspect uh, playing a role and and maybe negatively affecting. It could be a distraction, but we will see how they handle it. Let's go to the game uh, right after that, and everybody obviously around our neck of the woods is excited for the Patriots host the Houston Texans. Nobody giving the Texans any chance. They are 16-point underdogs. Uh, the last time they were in Foxborough did not go well at all. They couldn't even shut down Jacoby Brissett. So as many say now, how in the world will they shut down Tom Brady? But like the Patriots, and, and, and like the Steelers where you referenced there, a defense that has grown together through the season and finally started to realize some of the potential 
that they had coming into this season. Obviously, they lost J.J. Watt, um, but as the season went on, they, they gelled. They, Clowney stepped up, and uh, that, to me, is their only saving grace as they head into this game. What can they do to stop that Patriots offense? Yeah, let's start with the positives, and then we'll probably get through them pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> They're a flawed team, there's no question. Yeah. I mean, they were outscored this season. You know, They had more turnovers than takeaways, things like that, but yeah, I mean, they have good quarterback play, you know, and, and I think that's going to be something, just the individual matchups. I mean, the, the Patriots have to find some man beaters to, to try to, you know, scheme those guys open a little bit. I don't know if it's, you know, Hogan or if Mitchell can play and make an effect or something like that. Yep. You can't be Edelman every single play. And, and so, you know, the coverage, I think, will be pretty good. I think it'll be tight. We, we've seen now recently what Merciless and Clowney can do. They're, they're scheme records. And... Mm. Typically, you know, New England will, will pick out the one they feel is most dangerous and say, all right, we're going we're gonna to take him out of the game. I would think it's Clowney. I mean, yeah. I have a lot of respect for Whitney Merciless. He's done it longer. He's been a more consistent player. He can drop in coverage, all that stuff. But Clowney has been – he's played within himself. He's not mm. – you know, cause he used to sort of scream up the field and try to make sacks and take some plays off and just be that – you know, you didn't count on him snap to snap. But now – He's starting to see things slowing down, and he realizes his full power. So I think you'll see the Patriots really try to, you know, wham block the heck out of him with tight ends and, and you know, frustrate him and, and run away from him, try to run right at him sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, those are your positives because their, their special teams are bad. Mm. They're Obviously, we know the limitations of Brock Osweiler in the offense. So it's going to take, I think, a, a really heroic and special effort on defense for the Texans. Yeah, and you said something there, too, about uh, you know what you do with Kalani and do you, you run a little bit away from him, you run right at him. You notice uh, what they did with, uh, with Blunt against uh, Sue in that final against the Dolphins there, where yeah. you know he was starting to get into it a little, and they're like, okay, see how you can take the, And they just ran right at him, and that was it. And, and they just sort of you know zoned him out after that. And I wonder if the Patriots, to, just to set the tempo, come right at him with Blunt. Uh, to really just cement it in your head, like, hey, look, you're great and all, but we're we're coming at you right now. I wonder if they do that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and it's you know that's a great point, and you know the the Patriots have had success taking JJ Watt out of games. I know they're different yeah. players, but a lot of times they would they would do that. Or you know, I talked to a former Patriots offensive lineman, a guy who's a journeyman. He'd been he's been on about four different teams, and he said one of the things they used to do against Watt was the offensive lineman would use a cadence where they would say, deuce, deuce, and that would mean, in most parlance, offensive line-wise, we're double-teaming a certain guy. Awesome. Well, when Watt was on the field, he was the only guy you were double-teaming. I wouldn't be shocked if they do a little of that. You know, if they play with him a little bit with their, their cadences and their calls up front to try to get Clowney thinking a little bit, and then, like you said, just come right at him with a pulling guard, you yeah. know, try to try to use power and, and, and go right at him and force him to shed blocks and make plays. Exactly. That's so Belichick. <laughs> so, I know, right? <laughs> he uh, eliminates whatever their strength is. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, crazy. That's consistently what they've done for years. It's insane. All right, let's go to the final game now of the weekend. And Dallas Cowboys, uh, what a season they had. They're back on the map, and it's great for football and all. But they welcome in... Uh, probably and arguably the, the scariest team going right now in the Green Bay Packers. I mean, these guys are just on a roll. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers uh, called his shot, and they haven't lost since. Um, and, and, you know, I said it yesterday a couple times. 
I, I've been watching them, and I'm, I've never been. I think I've said it to you before. I'm not a Rodgers fan. I, I've used the word overrated with him, but I'm eating crow right now. And the way he was able to take what looked to me like almost a single-digit type game, like a you know just this grinding, low-scoring, boring game, and just go off like he did. Uh, it, it just I was like, whoa, this guy's he's on a mission right now. And you know, you look at the Cowboys right now. They've got their two best stars, have never played in the NFL playoffs. How much does Rodgers' experience and the zone he's in right now and then the inexperience of the star players and the Cowboys play a role? Yeah, I mean, I was I was watching Rocky Four the other day, and I was sort of laughing at how, like, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the formula is the same for every Rocky movie, right? He takes a pounding yep. for three rounds, and then there's that one shot that he lands, and you, Oh, you know, kind of woke yeah. him up a little. You, you ain't know. so bad. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's how I felt Rodgers was in that game. He got sacked a couple times. He looked frustrated early against the Giants, you know. And then all of a sudden, he kind of just dialed in. And oh. He made a few throws that went, made the hair stand up on your neck. You go, whoa, okay, here we go. Yep. And, you know, the Giants' biggest mistake was completely dominating the first quarter and a half and only being up, what, 6 nothing or yeah. whatever. So, they just, he, the Cowboys have to score early. I know that it seems crazy to the you know the number one team in the NFC. We're talking about what they you know must do to win, but like it's true. If, though. if Elliott isn't going off early and, and kind of you know milking the clock a little and sustaining things and giving Dak Prescott really friendly situations, you know I think the Green Bay Packers are are, are going to be in a great position to kind of match score for score and run up and down the field on. I don't know that the Packers will stop the Cowboys, but you know, just just get that one key turnover. Just get that one big return on special teams. Make that one key red zone stop, and then they they could be in pretty good shape. All right, my friend. So as I told you off the air, this is our, uh, our last few shows here. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, we're going to be going off, so I won't talk to you before the end of the playoffs. So I'm, I'm going to just put you on the spot right now. Give me your Super Bowl teams and who comes out with the uh, with the grand trophy. I, you know, I hate to say this. It's probably good that, that this is the last time we're, we're doing it in this format. I mean, I actually picked the Chiefs to get all the way to Houston. So all you all you Patriots fans out there, I'm sure going to be sending me some hate mail. <laughs> I think that matchup's a little scary for New England just in certain ways. They've got some, some difference makers. So I'll go Kansas City. And, you know, I, I have a weird feeling about this Falcons team. I, I understand the Packers have beaten them. The Cowboys could probably beat them on their home field. But I... I I could be wrong, but I, I think this Falcons team is, is a little better than maybe people realize. So I may eat crow myself on the NFC side of things, and I'm certainly opening myself to criticism on the AFC hey, side. Hey, it's all right. I like a guy who sticks with his uh, guns there. We appreciate <laughs> it. And, Eric, I appreciate all the help with the show and you coming on all the time. Uh, we'll talk to you down the line, I hope, sometime, all right? I look forward to it. I insist, in fact. So give me a call anytime I'll be around. It's great talking to you all these times over the years. Sounds good, man. That is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports in a shutdown corner. Check him out there and on Twitter, at Eric Edholm. He does a great job covering the NFL. We are going to switch gears and talk some hockey in the next segment. We're going to head to St. Louis. Talk to Andy Strickland of Fox Sports St. Louis about the St. Louis Blues and the return of their former captain for the first time to St. Louis David Backus, who is now on the Boston Bruins. Stay with us to Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back.
It's the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire. ESPNNHradio.com. This is the most beautiful thing I ever seen. Find the latest schedules, show blogs, podcasts, and all the breaking sports news in our area. From high school to the pros. Awesome. Want some new apparel? Yeah, baby. Welcome. Visit ESPNNHradio.com for shirts, hats, and all things ESPN New Hampshire. Woo! We've got it all here. Just visit our website at ESPNNHradio.com. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is the place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand new store in Nashua, on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gate video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers in all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Captain Eric Lawrence was training Afghan soldiers when his truck was hit by an IED. I was on the way from Kandahar to Klot, uh, hit an IED that just took the truck and threw it up in the air and slammed it on the ground. I knew at first that I, I got hurt pretty bad because I couldn't move my legs. I sat home alone for months. I didn't want that anymore. I wanted to go back to work. I was hesitant at first, you know, because I didn't work for a good year. I want to be a productive person. I don't want to be a drain on society. I want to be a positive thing in society. PBA helped me write my resume, got me a job interview. I got the job. Helping veterans like Eric is what we've done for over 65 years. Paralyzed Veterans of America, paving access for veterans' employment through Operation PAVE. For more information, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Imagine this. Your 13-year-old son is at his friend's house. There's probably a bunch of them, all hanging out in the basement. They're watching TV or maybe playing video games. There's lots of joking around, laughing, maybe some roughhousing, and maybe they're doing shots of whiskey in between beers. And maybe one has gone into the liquor cabinet to see what else he can find. Imagine your kid doing that. New Hampshire ranks second in the nation in alcohol use among 12 to 20-year-olds. And almost a third of our teens report that they started drinking before they were 15. You can check the stats at checkthestatsnh.org. As parents, we want to protect our kids, but we have to start now before it's too late. Learn how you can make a difference in your child's life at checkthestatsnh.org and help the Partnership for a Drug-Free New Hampshire. Start the conversation today. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and recently at the mall, I wheeled past a woman who was offering people a little tray full of food samples, barbecued pieces of chicken on toothpicks. She said to me, may I offer you one? And she held it up, at which point I directed my friend to take it and put it in my mouth. <gasps> Immediately, the woman apologized profusely, saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I did not realize you were 
I, I mean, I, I didn't know you couldn't use your hands. She was horrified. But I told her, don't worry, it's okay. I said, next time, if you want to offer a sample and you see the person has a disability, just say, do you need any assistance? Well, this lady was so grateful, so thankful I had given her useful language should it happen again in the future. And from disabilitycampaign.org, I hope that this little lesson provides you with useful language too. It's always good to ask if someone needs assistance. Do you know that kids who participate in physical education at school are two and a half more times likely to be active adults? Do you also know that increased physical fitness levels relate to higher test scores in students? You can't replace a healthy mind and body. Support your physical education programs. This message is brought to you by NAFER, New Hampshire Association for Health, Physical Education, Recreation, and Dance. Committed professionals working for you in a healthier New Hampshire. We've got it all here on ESPN, on ESPN, New Hampshire. Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Yeah, a little Nelly. We are talking about St. Louis. I don't know if you saw Winter Classic. Nelly was jamming out in the, in the rain there outside of uh, Bush Stadium. It was uh, it was good stuff. He was getting the crowd into it. They had to edit a lot, but uh, it was uh, good stuff for sure. And uh, the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins will do battle at the Scott Trade Center tonight. And, of course, the big story... Heading into that game is the return of the former St. Louis Blues captain and now current Bruins alternate captain, David Backus. And on to talk about that in the game tonight is our good friend Andy Strickland from Fox Sports St. Louis. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, Jay. How are you? I'm good. And uh, I take it you're at the morning skate today? I was there, absolutely. You know, I hadn't seen this much attention on a visiting player, to be honest with you, Jimmy, since... Chris Bonner came back here in 2005-2006 as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. We've seen some popular players move on and then come back. A guy like T.J. Oshie, obviously, was a you know very popular player here in St. Louis, one of the more popular players ever in the history of the Blues. Uh, he didn't even get this much type of uh, of response from the local media, you know. So this was uh, interesting to see this morning. Certainly a lot of buzz in the air for the game tonight. Yeah, I bet. I mean, uh, you know, and you can imagine. Uh, what it's going to be like for Bacchus when he steps out onto the ice there, and I'm sure they'll do a tribute video, what have you. Um, I I remember, I think it was last week, 
uh, Shea Weber returned to uh, Nashville for the first time mm-hmm. with the Canadians. And, I mean, you know, they had a video going in during a face-off and commercial break, and the TV, uh, NHL Network kept it there. They didn't go to commercial. And, I mean, he was fighting back tears there, and he was almost, like, looking at them like, all right, enough. Like, I got to get back into this game. Um, did anyone ask him, like, about how he's going to do his best to control and, and find that balance of sort of, you know, hey, I'm here to win a game for Boston right now, but at the same time I've got all these memories going through my brain and my heart right now. What was his uh, response to that and how he's going to approach it? Well, he's going to enjoy it, and I think that's the way you have to approach it. I don't think you can predict how your emotions are going to, um, you know, be at the time when you're being recognized by the fans who cheered you on really throughout his entire NHL career. You know, St. Louis is the only place he's ever known uh, in the National Hockey League since he went to Boston during the course of the offseason. So you know the emotions are going to be there. His wife is here in town. She's actually been here since over the weekend, and she's been staying at Alex Petrangelo's house, who's now the captain of the Blues back as left. Those two remain very, very tight friends. Um, and I think it's okay to be emotional. You know, I've seen guys get teary-eyed in the past. You know, when Barrett Jackman came back here last year as a member of the National Predators, I think that was difficult for him. I mentioned Oshie. They had a great tribute video to him. Um, you know, this, there's, these guys put in a lot of uh, emotion. They pour in a lot of emotion when they play for the St. Louis Blues. And I think it's only human nature to allow that emotion to show when you come back. So... I think a lot of people will be interested to see how David Backus handles his first game back here at the Scott Trade. What did he mean to that community outside of the rink? I know he was very involved. He really embraced uh, the city of St. Louis as they embraced him. Talk about his role in the community there. Well, I think that's a great question, Jimmy, because he was truly the face of the blues off the ice. They have a lot of guys who do some charity work, but you know, he and his wife kind of took it to the next level with their you know, work with different social issues, their work with animals. Um, they were really indebted into the community, and they believed in the community. I think it was very authentic. Um, they did a lot of stuff behind the scenes without a lot of media there. Mm-hmm. They treated everybody the same, um, and they have a lot of passion. And it's not just here in St. Louis, but, I mean, they did a lot of charity work even overseas. They went to Africa and outfitted a number of kids uh, with hearing aids who couldn't hear. I mean, these are just legitimately good wholesome people um, who a lot of people here in St. Louis created a relationship with. So I know people are excited to see David back in uniform, but they're also excited to see his wife, who's going to be here tonight as well. Again, this is the the negative part of the business. You know, sometimes you have to move on. Contract issues obviously dictate whether a player stays or how long he stays. Uh, But at the end of the day, we get reminded all the time that it's a business. I think both sides uh, understand that. There's no hard feelings between Backus and the Blues. I think management and the coaching staff are just as, uh, as excited to see him here in St. Louis as the fans are, as long as he doesn't, you know, give it to the Blues and, and score a couple of goals. They want to make sure to keep him off the score sheet. But again, <laughs> you got to appreciate what he did here, and the Blues certainly do. Finally, before we let you go, Andy, I know you're pressed for time. Uh, you know, as I was watching Winter Classic, I was telling Sully earlier, uh, NHL Network did a, I think it was either NHL Network or NBC, they did a great uh, profile on how great of a hockey city St. Louis has become over the years. And now with basically they're the only act in town during the winter months, uh, it's become even bigger coming off the conference finals last year. Uh, But also how a lot of the alumni stuck around and and became permanent parts of that community and in turn helped build uh, the hockey 
around the amateur hockey scene around St. Louis, and we've seen that with some of the guys around the World Juniors that won gold with USA. We've seen some uh, St. Louis natives going on to have success right now. Obviously, one of the biggest ones right now is Pat Maroon. Uh, talk about that and the effect they've had, and can you see David Backus coming back there permanently after? Well, you know, listen, I went to their going-away party during the summer, and I can tell you that was difficult for him to let go of St. Louis. And I don't even know if he's come to grips with it now, even though he's been, you know, away from the organization for a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't shut the door on him returning to St. Louis. Who knows how that's going to play out? You never know. But even guys like Chris Pronger, who recently retired, he's back here in St. Louis. I mentioned Barrett Jackman. He's back here in St. Louis. But you're right. You know, the list of alumni who live here and who have lived here, I mean, the list is too long to mention. But guys like Al McKinnis and Keith Kachuk and Jeff Brown, uh, Basil McKay, uh, McCrave, Rob Ramage. Yep. I mean, the list goes on and on. All these guys who have been so influential in the youth hockey scene and have coached teams, coached their own kids. A lot of those kids who I mentioned, you know, their dads who had to mention, you know, they went on to have good success and they're playing professional hockey right now. You mentioned the St. Louis kids, Pat Maroon, Ben Bishop, or a couple of those. You know, St. Louis also had five kids drafted in the first round last June. They also had a kid drafted in the third round. So six kids from the same program, the St. Louis Triple A Blues, all drafted in one draft year. It was incredible to see last June. And you're only going to hear from more as we continue to move move on. But you're right. The leading scorer for Team USA at the World Juniors, Clayton Keller, he's from St. Louis. The captain, Luke Cunning, he's from St. Louis. Joseph Wall, the goaltender, he played a couple of games, including a victory over Canada on New Year's Eve. He's also a St. Louis kid. Logan Brown, if he wasn't injured, probably would have made the team. And Matthew Kachuk, who's in the NHL right now, he would have been on the team as well if he wasn't in the National Hockey League. So it really is nice to see how far hockey has come and continues to grow here in St. Louis. For sure. Well, Strick, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a TV hit now. Go do it and enjoy the game tonight, my friend. All right, Jimmy. Take care, man. Anytime. Andy Strickland joining us from Fox Sports St. Louis here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. This band you hear right now, we played them a couple times on the show. Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats are from St. Louis, and they played during the Winter Classic in the intermissions on the field there. Uh, unbelievable band, definitely, as I suggested before. Check them out if you're a music fan. So we will leave you with that as we head into the final segment of the second hour. Uh, I think we're going to listen to a little Bill Belichick in the next segment and hear what he had to say today as they prepare for the Houston Texans. Stay with us. A stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. Now two young kids, a starter of us. Know they feel they're trying to shock us. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, right here on ESPN, New Hampshire.
How would you like your office to be located in the heart of downtown Manchester? The former Ted Hebert's building at 922 Elm Street is ready to house your business. With over 28,000 square feet available, the time is right for your business to maximize this rare opportunity. Again, there is now office space available at 922 Elm Street, the old Ted Hebert's building, but it won't last long. Contact Tom Finney at 603-647-6800 or visit loopnet.com. Hi, my name is Jen Kaludi. My husband Sal and I are the owners of Embroid Me in Nashua and Embroid Me of Bedford in New Hampshire. We help companies and organizations promote themselves through embroidered apparel, screen printed shirts, promotional products, personalized gifts, and much more. I invite you to come visit our showrooms, conveniently located at 345 Amherst Street in Nashua and our Bedford showroom at 410 South River Road. You can also visit our websites at embroidme-nashua.com or embroidme-bedford.com. My team and I look forward to helping you promote your business. Embroid Me, your promotional marketing partner. New York peace of mind. Let's discuss a little bit of the Derek Rose trade. I think he needs to start fresh. I think New York is the perfect place for him. He loves being in a city. He loves being under the bright lights. I think him, Mello, and Porzingis is an interesting... You it's know, interesting. It's curious how everybody melts yeah. together. He has been a league average point guard, essentially. But, as we were touching on already, is significantly better than what the Knicks had. Starting now, the Knicks are in a much better place than they were three days ago. Every Saturday from 2 to 4, here on ESPN New Hampshire. Hey, American Express card members, there's never been a better reason to get out and shop small in your neighborhood. Because now, through December 31st, you could earn two times your rewards when you shop small with an enrolled American Express card. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash ShopSmallOffer. It always feels two times as good to support local stores, and now it's two times as rewarding. Prepaid and corporate cards, cards issued by other financial institutions. The Plum Card and certain other cards are not eligible. Reward cap and other terms apply. Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fishing Games Wildlife Journal. The good news is, how would you grade your time outdoors last year? Well, if you're like many, you'd say it was good, just not enough of it. And if you didn't get a deer, a five-pound salmon, or a monster bass or pike, well, then there's room for improvement. The good news is, 2017 is a brand new year, and you get to do it all over again. I hear from folks that they're too busy to hunt and fish. Sorry, I don't buy that. You have to make being outdoors a priority. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy to find the time to get away for a while, but when you do, the time spent outdoors will be well worth it. For 2017, make plans to be outdoors in New Hampshire and don't settle for anything less. Hunting, fishing, trapping, canoeing, hiking, or wildlife watching. There are plenty of choices, and the good news is you don't have to choose just one. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. Brake lights. Must be an accident. Bad one. Big truck, little car. That doesn't usually end well. When a large truck or bus meets your car on the highway, it can be fatal. They have very large blind spots or no zones in front, behind the trailer, to the left of the driver, and a large portion of the right side of the vehicle. If you can't see the driver in his side view mirror, he can't see you. Follow this simple tip because safe driving is everyone's responsibility. Sponsored by the New Hampshire Department of Safety and aired in cooperation with this station. We've got it all here on ESPN New Hampshire.
I could just Xerox you a copy of the game plan. You can send it over to Kansas City if you got it. I mean, it might be easier for all of us. I don't know. <laughs> Stupid thing. Right, we got a lot of work to do. Plenty of things we need to work on. Do you think having a 37-year-old in Cincinnati? I'm where I could get it up. Post-game analysis here. I mean, I've had enough of that. Just go talk to the geniuses that are online. I don't know. My face, your face, instant face. Go, go talk to whoever you want that does that stuff. I don't. Oh yeah, it's that exciting time of the show where you can basically take a nap. It's nap time. It's nap time. (laughs) Time to listen to Bill Belichick give his weekly presser as he did at Foxborough today. Is he giving more than one because it's the playoffs now? It's usually it's Wednesdays, right? Yeah, I don't know. I was confused because I saw it today. I was like, oh, this is this is a day early. He was yeah. a day late last week, and now he's a day early. So I don't huh. know. I don't know which which one it is. But is he trying to screw around with Houston? Is that, is, it is, has is, to be is it mind has games. To be. It has to be. It has to be mind games. He's always playing mind games. He's always playing mind Come games. On he's all on to Houston. We're <laughs> on to Houston. Well, here he is on the stretcher on an ESPN New Hampshire, and this is Bill Belichick in Foxborough earlier today. Enjoy. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely deep into the. Houston preparations. Um, been a really impressive team. Um, big win last week uh, against Oakland. Uh, you know, playing very well here um, at this point in time. Outstanding on defense. Uh, a lot of explosive players on offense. Kicking game. Um, well coached. Obviously, a lot of good. Um, very good fundamental team. Don't beat themselves. Don't get penalized. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, just really sound, sound football team. It's uh, it's be a big challenge for us this week to you know be able to compete with them. That's a big, big win that they had in the uh, wild card game, and uh, I'm sure they'll be coming in here with a lot of, a lot of confidence as they should. When well, you look at uh, their offense, how from what you've seen, how if anything, does what they do maybe change? depending on who's been in there at quarterback, has there been a lot of um, back and forth when they've made those changes? I mean, there's one with both both quarterbacks. Uh, get a lot of production out of their receivers, their tight ends, their running backs. Uh, they use a lot of people at every position, and um, they've all been productive. So whoever they put out there will have to defend, but they've all um, had success. I'm sure they're confident in all of them. Matt mentioned yesterday on the conference call is that they've tried to use some up-tempo stuff offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, how, have, how effective have they been in doing that and maybe what allows them to, to try to run those types of Yeah, I mean, you know, Billy's always liked to do that. George, they do a good job with that. Uh, you know, just keeps the pressure on the defense from a tempo standpoint. And yeah, we'll have to do, if that's what they do, we'll have to deal with it, sure. But, they, yeah, they've done it. They've done it. They've not done it. So, again, defensively, you can't control any of those things. You just have to react to what they give you. A lot of former players and coaches on the other sideline, does that sort of institutional knowledge of how this place operates help them, or is that overstated? Yeah, I mean, we've played them several times since then. There's nothing Bill O'Brien can say to his guys about his time here or how... How Tom Brady may operate. That could... We played him last year. We played him already this year. They haven't been here since then. 
Vince Wilfork hinted he may retire at the end of the year. Um, if this is in fact his last game at a place where he played for so long, what would I guess that mean? Would it be a fitting ending for his career? Yeah, I think I've spoken at length about my respect and admiration for Vince and his career. And right now we're just focused on getting our team ready to play Saturday night. What, what, what have you seen from Vince this year? I believe it's year 13 for him. I mean, they're very good on defense. I mean, they got a lot of good players. They all, it's a solid role for them. I'm sure he gives them great leadership. You know, strong player, hard to block, smart. Josh yesterday spoke at length uh, on the uh, skill level of their secondary. I'm curious uh, what you see on film, how much they mix it up, man, zone, you know, what they do in their secondary. Yeah. makes them so good. Both good players. Good players, good pass rush, good coaches. They're good, well coached, they're good fundamentals. They'll give up a lot of long balls. They're competitive on uh, really just about everything. Um, all three, really all four of their corners, including Nelson, uh, had played well. Um, you know, Dems has six interceptions. Hal Moore, they're all good. Um, uh, you know, they, they're good at linebacker with Cushing and McKinney. So, uh, and they play a lot of six DBs. Play some five DBs with McKinney and Cushing as linebackers. Um, but I mean, they have, they have good coverage players. They use them in different roles. So they've had they've lost you know they lost Johnson. They lost Dylan. Um, but they've had other guys step in there, and you know Moore's played well for them. Um, Obviously, Demps is, you know, Demps had a you know, big year in terms of turning the ball over. Uh, Boye's played well for him uh, outside, played inside a little bit against us. Uh, so, yeah. Joseph, Jackson, Nelson's played well. I mean, they're all good group. Eric Rowe brought to your secondary this year since he's been well, Eric's continued to get better as he's grown in our system, uh, communication techniques, um, you know, communication with the other DBs and with our scheme, you know, some of our the techniques and various coverages and situations. You know, just more familiarity, more practice, more experience. Um, but he's done a good job for us. Glad we have him. What's allowed Luke Eric Blunt to have some success this season? Is it a combination of offensive line improvement plus his off-season work. Yeah, so you know, I mean, he's done a good job. He's been here all year. Hadn't missed anything. It's been durable, and um, you know, it's been been out there, you know, all the way through, all the way through the season, training camp. Been solid for us. Offensive line's done a good job. Tight ends, fullback. Passing game, self the running game, running game, self the passing game. So, not it really means anything now going up against the best defense in the league here. So, we'll see what we can do this week. This will be a big challenge for us. Is it typical to see running backs, I don't know if they really break down at the end of the season, but just do, do the hits start to pile up by the end of the season for running backs? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know. NFL is a tough 16-game regular season grind for everybody, but some guys come through it 
you know, better than others. Some years are different than others. Sure, it looked like Bell was slowing down last weekend. I don't know. Looked like he ran pretty good to me. Bill, you guys seemed like you kind of ramped up Dion's workload toward the end of the season. Um, were you happy with, I guess, where you got him at? I know you, you talked about him being in football shape and all that. Do you think the last couple of weeks kind of got him ready for the playoffs physically? Well, I think given the constraints that we had with his situation, um, that he did the best he could um, to get back, and we did the best we could to give him an opportunity to get back. So that is what it is. Can't change anything that's happened in the past. Going into a big game this weekend, uh, again, against a great defense. So we'll see. Well, you guys have sort of... Um an interesting situation at receiver. We saw Danny and Memphis practice last week, um, and I don't know how those guys are doing physically. But if all of those guys were healthy, um, I don't think you've had five active, um, you know, true receivers really for for all. I don't know if you, you did it all this year for uh, for a game day. Um, how would you balance having a position where you have guys that would all seemingly have some value versus? You know, obviously you'd be losing a player in another position if you did decide to have five five receivers. I guess plus Slater would be the, the sixth guy. Right. Well, we'd have to do what we feel like is best for the team for this game, uh, like we always do. We've had that situation several times this year where we've inactivated players that, had they been active, would have played. Um, but we're in the same constraints as everybody else. We can have 46 active. Uh, we've had a lot of healthy inactives this year, which hasn't always been the case. It really hasn't been the case very much in the past. So it's been some decisions that we've had to make this year, whereas in other years, a lot of times those decisions were made for you based on the availability of the players. But whatever it is this week, it is, and we'll we'll make the best decisions we can and do what we feel like is best for this game. Um, I can't tell you what that answer is going to be. We'll have to see how it goes. Danny, in particular, handled this. Uh, uh, it's been a little over a month now where he hasn't played in the game. How, how has he you know, handled that time off? Yeah, nobody works harder than Danny. Nobody works harder. So he's done everything he can do. Um, I'm sure he'll continue to do that, and we'll see how it goes. What does it allow the Texans' defense to grab that number one rank at the end of the year without J.J. Watt? I guess how are they able to maintain that high level of play without one of their best players? They have a lot of good players. Bill, with Malcolm Butler, what, what do you get from him on a day-to-day -day basis, to, not just on the field, but just in terms of coming to work and doing his job on a daily basis. Yeah, Malcolm competes very hard. He's, he's got a great uh, attitude and gives great effort on the football field no matter what the situation is. Uh, you know, he really competes. He, he just loves to go out there and, and play. So I think his level of um, competitive energy is it's high. Did you see that from day one, I mean, coming out of West Alabama, or is that something that maybe you saw grow? I think he played hard in college, yeah, absolutely. I think he competed hard. I mean, there was, you know, 
my style event was what it was. You can go back and watch the same games I watched, so it, it is what it is. But I wasn't coaching then, so I don't really know what happened, didn't happen on some in those games and plays and but whatever. But since we had him, yeah, he's since we had him in that rookie minute camp, he just goes out there and competes hard. He's durable. He's tough. He loves to play. Loves to compete. Doesn't matter who it's against. You can put him up there in any situation, and he's gonna he's gonna compete and he's gonna have fun doing it. How much have you um, been impressed with just the way he handled his whole situation? I mean, that not too many people would cope. You know, come from that spot and then have you know obviously the big play a couple of years ago. But I, I think I remember you mentioning like you you've been around for however many years and you haven't seen. You put him right up there with players that hadn't changed, you know, from that. Yeah, I would say that's that's pretty true. He's he's got three years, almost three years of experience down in the league, so that's a change. It will be a change for any of us to do three years, to do something for three years that we haven't done before. But that being said, a lot of the things I just mentioned were the way they were. Three years ago in rookie minicamp or in training camp in 2014, or um, I think if you pulled out practice or games from various points in those time, at those top tier points in time, you look at it, you probably, other than technique or something like that, in terms of his competitiveness, I don't think you'd probably be able to find too much of a difference. No, because the first meeting was so. And uh, there you go. Exciting, riveting stuff down there in Foxborough. I have no idea what he was just talking about. Bill Belichick. He's talking about minicamps. <laughs> like we're, <laughs> Bill, we're in the playoffs, so we're not talking about minicamps. you got a feel for the media that has to cover that team, man. <laughs> He's talking about minicamps. He is the in, best coach ever, but... In the first round of the playoffs. The divisional round of the playoffs, and he's referring to minicamps. Yeah. What? Imagine trying to write stories off this guy. Oh, God. Brutal. It's got to be tough, man. <laughs> but he is. He's the best coach ever. Uh, yeah, we just uh, we're the just the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots. Eight fifteen in Gillette Stadium Saturday, the big game, and we will have much more coverage of that in our last two shows tomorrow and Thursday. We will get you revved up for that game for Can't sure. Wait for that one, we're going to go back to hockey. Next segment. Welcome on a regular guest, uh, the head coach of your Manchester Monarchs, Rich Seely, joins us here in the stretch run. On ESPN New Hampshire, we'll be back.